0: The 99th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest who kindly reminds us we are not on this journey by choice, Manny Hernandez. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I'm the co founder of Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. And what better way to wrap up 2020? Then, with a brave soul who transformed his professional path after attending a T1D pump support group. In this life altering moment, he connected with others who understood similar challenges and took action by founding a nonprofit organization whose mission was to connect people touched by this disease with the belief no one with diabetes should ever feel alone. Game changer and just the beginning of a very impactful career. Before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by My Diabetes Diet, a personalized management plan created specifically for people struggling with diabetes-related issues, ranging from elevated blood sugars and unwanted weight to high cholesterol. Their team of qualified nutritionists create personalized meal plans that can help you improve your overall health and diabetes management. The app features include no-equipment-beginner-workouts, grocery lists, a detailed progress tracker, an activity log, and an active diabetes online community. They believe every person deserves to live their best life without feeling too restricted or forced to eat foods they don't like. As we roll into the new year, this is a great tool to help you reach your goals. And they hooked us up with a stellar discount. So be sure to visit the show notes for details and links. Number two, the affiliates page is now live on the DDG website. Hit us up at Penelope at com if you would like to join the list of brands who are making my life with T1D a more pleasant one. Number three, hmm, just the facts please podcast series will soon launch featuring medical gurus, research teams and industry leaders. The content is both entertaining and informative. Stay tuned for more details. Number four, and this is my favorite. The real life diabetes happy hour takes place every Thursday. The gathering has nothing to do with alcohol, but is for adults. I hope you'll join me for a little pub talk, live music, random themes, and trivia sessions with other people who get it from around the world. Please note you do have to register by clicking the happy hour logo in the show notes. And finally, stay engaged, love, like, share, and comment on all things social media sign up for the e-newsletter, leave an iTunes review, subscribe to the DDG YouTube channel, and click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. All right, let's get started. All right, Manny, welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) And I love the fact that Zoom allows us to actually connect because I would love to be sitting in front of you, but I'm not. Where are you calling in from?
1: So I am in Stockton, California, which is a mid-sized city about an hour south of Sacramento and an hour and a half east of San Francisco.
0: Right on. You're in I bet it's good weather.
1: Yeah, I mean like I can't complain. I come from tropical Latitudes. So, uh, anything north of Miami for me is like can, can be cold during the winter, but uh, we have we got no snow, and uh, the coldest it gets is in the you know mid thirties uh, overnight. So, can't complain.
0: And where are you from originally?
1: I'm from Venezuela. Uh, I was born in Caracas, and uh, we came to the U.S. in 2000. So, at this point, uh, I've spent nearly half of my life uh, here. Uh, Almost. Not quite. Uh, uh, I don't mind aging myself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It'll come
0: out more and more. I'll be aging myself as well, which whatever. So I had the privilege of not getting to know Manny in person because our paths never crossed really through all of my advocacy in the past, you know, seven or eight years. You were kind of like to the next level. And that's a good thing. Um, But Manny was very instrumental and we'll get into his professional career, but what his diagnosis did and how it changed maybe his path a little bit. So let's start with a, your diagnosis story.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, changing paths is a, is a good way to put it. I'm originally, by training an engineer, turned product manager. So for, for several years since we moved to the US, yeah. uh, that, w- that was kind of my, my world. After my first job, I kept the good habit of uh, getting an annual checkup. Mm-hmm. Right, they they had that as something mandatory, and I, it stuck with me. Right, you got to go to the doctor at least once a year, make sure everything is good, and and I did that uh, from the moment we came to the U.S. And two years in, in two thousand two, I'm getting my annual checkup done, and um, I was going to this uh, primary care physician uh, in Phoenix where we used to live, and and he said uh, part of the checkup involved lab work and my fasting blood glucose levels were elevated. I mean, they were not horribly elevated, so to speak, but but they were certainly not in the normal range.
0: Are we talking like 400 or are we, are we
1: talking 250? Not even, we're talking like 150. So okay. en- en- enough to raise an eyebrow, but uh, say, you know, in fasting, that kind of uh, blood glucose level would translate into a diagnosis. Now, the the interesting part is that being 30 at the time and being overweight, well, I'm no longer 30, but I'm still overweight. You're uh, not overweight.
2: It's a I, number.
1: Be- oh, believe me, I am. Oh, <laughs> believe me. I was told that I had type 2 diabetes. Uh, we started on a metformin-based therapy, and evolved the uh, the therapy in the course of the next few months to try and you know nail it yeah. uh, and in combination with that at the time i poured myself into training for a half marathon so we we're talking okay. october 2002 the half marathon was uh, to take place in early january 2003 so I don't need to tell you or your listeners that, uh, guess what? That happens to help tremendously with blood glucose levels. Yeah. So, so for some time, the exercise was masking the, in, uh, the lack yeah. of effectiveness of the treatment I was getting because we were actually treating the wrong condition. Yeah. We didn't know after the race in early 20, uh, 2003, I was just completely unable to keep my blood glucose numbers in range. At that point, the outer range we were talking about was not 150. We were starting to see 250, 300 yeah. numbers. And, and it was incredibly frustrating because I was doing everything according to what my doctor was telling me. Uh, he was being tremendously supportive, you know, and he wasn't being judgmental. He wasn't assuming that I was being a noncompliant person or anything like that. <laughs> And eventually, uh, around February or March 2003, he got to the point where he was out of things to try. Uh, And instead of just basically assuming that, again, I was like a uh, non-compliant or or non-adherent person with diabetes, he said, I think I need to refer you to an endocrinologist because I don't know what else to try. And at that point, He did so. And I was immediately upon entering uh, Dr. Richard Dalinar, who was the name of my endo back then, uh, upon entering his practice, like I got tested for antibodies Mm -hmm. and C-peptide levels. And he said, no, you know what? You don't have type 2 diabetes. You have type 1. It's like, okay, (laughs) so what does that mean? It's like, well, it means that your body no longer produces insulin or not enough insulin and you got to supplement it externally so it's a very very uh, polished language a uh, code for you got to take insulin shots and uh, uh, so I did at that point I started on shots of Lantus uh, once a day and a few months later in the process we moved out of phoenix we moved to orlando florida um, at over there I started with a new endo and, uh, he put me shortly after on, uh, also shots of Novolog. And, and eventually fast forward a few, uh, years, I started on an insulin pump.
2: Okay. I want
0: to go back to one thing, just to the Lantus when you were, were you just taking Lantus and no other insulins for fast at, acting?
1: At first. So it, it's, uh, you might have heard or read about people having like um, a honeymoon, right? Yeah. So the honeymoon period. So that was definitely my case. So first off, the the onset was relatively mild, right? Like one fifty fasting. Yeah. So like again, that that's what I meant by not not horribly high numbers, but also even when the numbers were higher, we were able to to keep them in check just with long acting uh, insulin shots right. uh, and, and, but eventually that by itself stopped being enough.
0: How much, if you recall, I know it was a while ago, were you, how often were you pricking your finger?
1: No, that's a great question. So initially I would say probably like two or three times a day and definitely okay. trying to keep it in check uh, before every uh, training run. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, but uh, I, I don't recall the exact number. We're talking uh, a, a time when you would put like a massive drop <laughs> on, uh, on, on, I think it was a life scan meter, and it took like a minute get the reading was it the it size was-
0: of a small computer like an ipad now or, or like
1: it, an- it, it, it wasn't that big so uh but but it was definitely bigger than today's and it, it was not like a tiny drop and it wasn't quick so yeah, and it was like right, right. fairly inaccurate i have an, an anecdote from i think it was already from after i uh started on insulin um, my uh, wife uh, was pregnant with our now seventeen-year-old son, and and so we were doing what all expecting couples do. Read, uh, well, I think that that's what we used to do at least. Uh, read the "What to Expect When You're Expecting" book, right? Um, and we were in the chapter that talked about how husbands sometimes uh, somatize. Things right? right and 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 um, I as we're reading that I tell her that I'm I, I feel bad I don't know like I'm I'm all dizzy It's like oh you just say that because we're reading about it No 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 It's like no no I really really feel bad and and a light bulb went off uh, for her because uh, we had obviously been reading and trying to educate ourselves about diabetes It's like oh my god Is this what a low is. So she ran for my meter and uh, helped me check, and sure enough, I had what I think to this day remains, I think it's probably my second lowest reading. It was like thirty-two or thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So that first experience of a low really, really, really stuck with me, uh, and I, 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 I fear about like what that looks like for. People that are taking insulin for the first time, because that is a very true risk. And if you you are not trained to recognize the symptoms, you might find yourself in a in a very vulnerable, a very dangerous position.
0: You know, I think about it as because I uh, thankfully I know a lot of bless their hearts kids, especially that don't feel their lows. Like I knew, and I didn't know. I mean, I really because I was only testing my blood sugar in the morning before a shot and before dinner because it was. Cloudy and clear, you mixed insulins and all the things. But when I put the two together, it wasn't like this aha moment. I think it was a reflection later in life. But numbness of the nose, feeling, I, I mean, I, I've never done drugs, but it was just like a hallucination and the sweatiness. And I would shake. I would just sit there and shake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very thankful that, A, I don't have a fear of hypos because I've felt them for most of my life. And thankfully, CGMs now are keeping us Yes, all the bells and whistles, and especially for those those who cannot feel it. So I'm glad you you and your wife put that together because and, oh, it was it was whoa. it was
1: all her. Like I was just in the <laughs> right place with the right person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, so tell me the timeline briefly. You have a professional career. You have you're an electrical engineer. Is that correct?
1: Originally by training, I wouldn't touch uh, any of it these days. Uh, you don't you don't want me near your any electrical circuits, <laughs> but but originally trained, yeah.
0: Okay, so you, how did you go from that career, whatever capacity, into you got really involved in the diabetes community, and I want to start with one. Who was the first type 1 person that you met that you were like, man, they get it. I know this, this person understands.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so timeline – so I went to school for electrical engineering, did my master's in electrical engineering, worked for a few years back in Venezuela as a production engineer. Right. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, working in a diaper manufacturing facility uh, for Pampers, if you uh, are curious about that. And so into late 1999, uh, we... Are ready to come to the states, I started basically kind of a new episode in my professional life, focused more on web product management so uh away from hardware and more with yeah. software and that became kind of my my space my my niche for the next five six years around that same time I get diagnosed right so in parallel with my professional life, I, you know, start, you know, reading up more, informing myself more about diabetes. I, I remember at the time having stumbled upon, uh, Amy's, uh, Amy Tendrit's, uh, oh. Diabetes Mind, um, yeah. uh, Rick Mendoza as well. Oh. He was uh, writing quite a bit back then. Uh, and, Fast forward a few months, once we are uh, already in Orlando, um at my new endocrinologist's office, and I stumble upon a little bulletin board where he had different announcements pinned, and one of them was an invitation to join an insulin pump users uh, support group. Ooh. And that kind of, you know, interested me, so I decided to go. And it was the first time that I was in a room surrounded by others that I could really, really relate to. Yeah. As, uh, For example, as we were going around the room and people, uh, I don't remember what was the dynamic, but something along the lines of like, well, what's your, what's top of mind for you or what's bugging you lately. And like, as people were describing that, it's like, Yes, yes, yes. So it, it was uh as supported and incredibly uh you know, encouraged and, and again supported by my wife. My son was still too little. Uh it it, it is different, right? Like uh mm-hmm. she there's there's no substitute for that direct connection and access to others that are going through some of the same challenges in this Absolutely. case of living with type one. So that, that was, I'm not exaggerating when I say that first meeting was a life changing event for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned in a matter of an hour more than I had uh, up to that point in four years of having diabetes. Yep. Uh, and I, I, one of the so I I couldn't tell you who the names of those people were because I I don't remember. But the, but that was my first yeah. like in person experience with someone with type one.
0: I think that you had the courage to do it. I mean, a lot of people would have seen that pamphlet and it, you know, whatever. But I mean, that's a, essentially a support group, and
1: yeah, it takes
0: a strong person to be able to. Have, I mean, really, to have the courage to be able to do that.
1: You know, something you might relate to as well. Stuck with me after. So, uh, at the time, I was wearing a, a, a Medtronic 515 pump. In fact, I still, I still have it around here. Here it is, <laughs> um, top to bottom. As, as, uh, as a self-respecting engineer, I had read the user guide, right? So, I was really familiar with everything in there. But was I? <laughs> so, there was a section in the in the book that, that I was just puzzled by. They talked about think of dual waves or square waves I was like what is that for? I mean right. what do you use that for? And and I think you know at least at that time that would not be something you would get trained on right. as as uh, applicable to everyday life. So I was just I mean I knew it was a function but I didn't know what it was good for and then at that first pump users uh, meeting somebody said, guess what? Life-changing, I can do pizza. It's like, oh, that's interesting because like, I've never like ever since I got diagnosed, I've never been able to do pizza well. Like it's it's just like out of control after a few hours. So right. no matter how, how much, I mean, in fact, if I overbolus, of course I'm going to go low, but then I'm going to rebound and go high again. It's like, no, you do this uh, dual wave or square wave. It's like, Oh, so that's what that's for. Uh, so, uh, I mean, not to say that that's the most, you know, uh, healthy, uh, you know, food choice, but.
0: It's realistic. I mean, it's realistic. It's, and, okay, yeah. And
1: yeah. So it it, it gives you a, a little bit of normalcy as well.
0: Right. I have to ask, and we don't have to say any brands because I have worked with a lot of them. Do you eat different Types of pizza now with like cauliflower crusts and other things that are not so high in carbs that are still pretty damn delicious.
1: I've tried them. Uh, I know uh, uh, Trader Joe's. We've picked up quite a few of those, like uh, you know, lower glycemic index options. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie; like I don't just do that. Uh, you know, Who doesn't uh, love a good
0: size of pizza. I mean, like the original. I'm a thin crust kind of person. Thin crust for me. Are you thin or cr- uh, thick? Thin. Thin. Okay. And I did that because of diabetes. But I, looking back, if I didn't have diabetes, I think I'd still feel better with a thin crust. That's too much information. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> it's all these little hacks. As it maybe now that I'm getting older too. Um, so you took the diagnosis and tell me about. So for those of you who are newbies, maybe to the diabetes community or. I've not been as engaged as an advocate as I have. You're the co-founder, we're founder, please correct me if I'm wrong, for the co-founder, Diabetes Hands yeah. Foundation. Yeah. Tell me what the mission was, and I'll go with why that's a was and not a is now.
1: What yeah. was the mission? The Diabetes Hands Foundation came a couple of years after that pump users group meeting that that I referenced. So The way we ended up there was uh because of the impact that meeting had on me and i continued to attend that group for a a few more months at that time social networking as a technology uh was uh up and coming uh myspace was the most popular uh, social (laughs) network uh See, we keep dating ourselves.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I myself.
1: <laughs> Facebook at the time was just starting to uh, go beyond the walls of colleges and universities yeah. in the U.S., so it was very early in that sort of uh, uh, history. And I had read a book by a gentleman called Thomas Friedman called "The World Is Flat," okay. and. Uh, it, would, it it had a section that 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 spoke to me quite a bit uh, as an engineer uh that uh, s- referenced, like the potential of social networks beyond socializing alone right mm-hmm. uh or for other greater goods mm-hmm. uh, so th- i mean i uh, what what my what i can claim is like putting together that with the experience I had in that support group and uh thinking, what if we had a social network for people with diabetes? And uh that effort in partnership with my wife, uh who who subsequently co-founded the Diabetes Science Foundation with me, led to the creation of two social networks in English, to diabetes.org, that's T U diabetes.org, mm-hmm. and in Spanish, es tu diabetes Org, um, which in time, in early 20, uh, 2008, became the first two programs under the umbrella of the Diabetes Hands Foundation. And the, the, the mission of the foundation, uh, which was a nonprofit, was to connect people touched by diabetes uh, with the belief that nobody with diabetes uh, should ever feel alone.
0: I love that. It's one of the things I preach on a regular basis. And I will say that you say that so eloquently in Spanish that I'm trying to learn Spanish. Now that I'm in San Antonio, I need it a lot more. And I've always wanted to. Like, I took French in high school. What am I going to do with French? I mean, lessons learned. <laughs> so I might need a, I might need a cut, it's, like a tutor. It's,
1: it's good. There's a lot of similarities. So if you have French, if you have any Latin-based language, the other ones become a lot easier.
0: I want to say something else to you because my father's an engineer and so is I lot of family members you have a really good social skills <laughs> <laughs> i i
1: i think uh I mean we could go down that rabbit hole but uh, to to be c- completely honest like the 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 story behind my uh, choice of uh, uh academic you know career uh was like very i mean it's it's so different today when you have yeah. access to so much information and and i uh, it, it was the most appealing sounding or the closest to what sounded interesting to me at the time, right. far less than something that I always wanted to become when I was growing up.
0: I gotcha. The Diabetes Hands Foundation, in what year was, and I don't know the correct terminology, and I'm a nonprofit lifer at this point, enveloped
1: it's, it's, by or the, <laughs> dissolved? Uh, so oh. basically, in. Uh, Mid-2017, it was uh, dissolved and these two programs, these two Mm -hmm. communities uh, were absorbed by the good folks at Beyond Type 1, uh, who has continued to be a steward uh, of them and continue to nurture and develop them. So the two communities continue to be alive under a new parent organization, Mm -hmm. Beyond Type 1.
0: I've sat down as an executive director before and the organization I was in the arts world forever was dissolved shortly after my departure, which was devastating, but I think it must be nice. And please, I mean, to see your baby because it is yeah. it's a full time. It's like raising a kid, yeah. uh, to see it still survive. It's wonderful because you really still are helping people. It was your idea, but you, I'm glad, I'm glad that they're great stewards of your, your baby. Yes.
1: Yeah. It, it, when at at the time in uh, mid twenty fourteen so six and a half years in uh, i it became clear to me uh based on m- my mother had been diagnosed with alzheimer's mm. and it became clear to me that things were going to get rough for us as a family before long and as an executive director of a nonprofit, I was not going to be in a position to face uh, some of those uh, financial challenges, uh, among others. So I, at that point, I spoke to my board and uh, they were completely supportive and uh, initiated the search for an interim person uh, who became Melissa Lee, who continues to be one of my best friends in in the world. (laughs) And uh, so she continued uh, things with uh, uh, the foundation until a permanent person was uh, put in place through the end of the foundation. And then I moved on. I went to work for uh, Lavanco, a a company in the digital health space uh, and diabetes.
0: That's okay. Perfect. Uh, I wanted to tap into that. So I I, only in the past, I've done a ton of research lately just because I'm so fascinated because there was a big announcement they put out a few, a while back, but tell me about that company because your role there, did you develop that yourself? I mean, did you pitch it?
1: No, no. Uh, so the, the technology that uh, underlied Lavongo for Diabetes. Uh, the Lavongo for Diabetes solution basically was uh, acquired and, and you know recast under the name of Lavongo by an, an incredible uh, entrepreneur who has done a lot of good in the diabetes space called uh, Glenn Tollman. So uh, he invested in them and uh, became the first CEO of Lavongo they received FDA clearance in late 2014 to become a, a solution, a system, uh, a solution for people with diabetes. And the two crucial components of that solution were: one, the uh, every time. Actually, I, I have here my my meter. I, st- I still use it. So when you check your blood glucose with the, their their meter, uh, unlike most. Uh, no, not not connected meters, the your reading uh is instantly uploaded to the cloud yeah. by way of a of a cellular link. Mm-hmm. So just, just like your phone. And uh a few things become possible because of that. In the very short term, one of the most important ones is like I what I like to describe as an like an on star for diabetes, right? So you know you've seen the ads where the person has like an accident, yeah. and like some voice you know comes mm-hmm. from the ether and says like, "Hey, Mr. Hernandez, we see you have had a crash, like you know we're we're shipping help or whatever, right, right. So similar to that, if you have an abnormally high or abnormally low, dangerously so reading, there are coaches on the other side, right oh. So, actual people that uh, step in to help you emerge of that very vulnerable moment uh, safely. Right? And so kind of like my wife did uh, for me yeah. back then. And so they, they serve as a bit of that safety net. So that's like in the very short term, tremendous value because, uh, you know, protect you at a time of tremendous vulnerability. In in the more long-term, the ability to have all these numbers aggregated and, uh, you know, that can be analyzed, that can be uh, crunched mm-hmm. in a cloud allows for, I mean, the, the alternative is basically all of that data just sitting on your meter. Yeah. And and ultimately, uh, maybe when you go to your uh, doctor, you turn in your meter, maybe along with your pump, and they download the data. And, and it's like, and then you have like 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> at best to to have a sense of like what, how was your diabetes uh, management in the course of the past however many months? So whereas here you have you all of that is going real time to the cloud and a lot of very useful and actionable insights can be presented to you in, in digital form like yeah. the form of digital nudges or informing a conversation with some of the same coaches that could be reaching out to you in the event of an extreme low or high but in the form of a scheduled coaching sessions so yes. so there's like a ton of very rich context to inform that and over time you know become supplemented with with other inputs so this is one input uh, a a connected scale might be another input a connected uh blood pressure cuff might be another input etc 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 so when i when i joined lavongo in 2015 the company was like starting out we were just around 50 people uh, about 15 of us uh, in mountain view and I, I had the the fortune of being sort of the the resident person with diabetes, uh, if you may. Uh, Thank you. So that 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 was fun, uh, uh, but but also like it means that you have to deliver sometimes the bad news, right? Because there might be some like bright shiny technology or or new way of doing things, or the mm-hmm. the. The something watch or the uh, something speaker or like whatever might be the case that is is just cool. Yeah. It, it's it's just like oh it should be super useful if we did this and made uh, your diabetes meter communicate with you through uh, whatever. Yeah. Right. So, but it turns out that the use cases quite often are far simpler <laughs> <You know? laughs> and sometimes uh, all you need is a tiny nudge. Uh, sometimes all you need is like a supportive voice or a supporting hand uh, and, and not like a ton of technology. So, so uh, concealing the technology underneath, you know, some very uh, subtle but, but effective, you know, interventions becomes uh, the, the, the very interesting balance you know, in developing uh, solutions uh, that are uh, actionable and and, and uh, impactful in, in diabetes. So that was like one of my roles early on. The other one was kind of uh, introducing Livongo to the diabetes uh, space because we were yeah. new. Uh, so a lot of the uh, partnerships and friendships that I had developed in my time, the diabetes hands uh, came in definitely uh, handy. Uh, For for that purpose. Uh, And I was doing that for about a couple of years. Uh, I I had the opportunity of um, uh, also product managing a couple of uh, very fun uh, projects. One of them was when we upgraded our meter to become the first and still only meter that can support over-the-air updates so right. just like your phone or for for apps or the operating system be able to push a uh, new code into the device so that you don't have to get a new device to get yeah. new functionality so that that was super exciting yep
0: well and is the founder the, the person who started the bongo does he have a child with type one
1: yes yes okay. he he, he had, he became uh, deeply involved with type 1 at first through a niece who developed type 1 diabetes, eventually through his uh, son, who at the time I think was 11 and now is like uh, all out of college. Sam uh, who developed type 1 as well and for many years he was and continues to be involved with uh, JDRF at okay. first as a board member eventually as a, what they call a chancellor which is the graduated board member uh, and he, he still is like very much involved uh, in the in the with JDRF and in the type 1 and diabetes space uh, at large.
0: Okay so I'm um, shifting gears pretty hardcore I, I wish I had some way to else to say that but you have how many children just the son that's 17
1: yep and uh we have a poodle but (sighs) yeah he's like (laughs) he's an adopted child
0: sorry there was just a weird noise that is so weird i have an orange tree out of right outside of my window and the orange just dropped and shook something that's so weird okay sorry um so an adopted child is a poodle well here's the question that i have for you with this two questions one did you have a family history of type 1 diabetes
1: on my dad's side of the family, we had type 1, type 2, yes, yeah, so it was pretty prevalent. Okay, so
0: family, okay, what about your wife? No. Okay, do you have, have any fears of your son developing type 1?
1: Well, uh, I don't Actually, want I mean,
0: him. I mean, like, do, are you thinking about trial that and other things, or are you, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that was definitely something that we signed up for very early on, and as we moved, uh, we first signed up for TrialNet while we were in Orlando. We then uh, relocated to Palo Alto. So, you know, while well, in Orlando, we were working with the folks from uh, University of Florida. Mm-hmm. When we moved to Palo Alto, we were working with the folks from Stanford. Then we relocated to Berkeley and, uh, we started working with the folks in uh, children's hospital of Oakland. So we, we had, uh, we signed Santiago is his name up for TrialNet uh, since he was little. And eventually we had to, um, what do you call it? Incentivize, uh, his, uh, <laughs> him to, uh, get all the tests blood drawn right yeah so so it became a, a something that you know a, you know he would get a toy for uh, once a year when he got his blood drawn and uh knock on wood he he was uh ne- negative uh, for antibodies all along uh till uh you know however long ago i think two or three years ago uh they uh, you, we either graduated or they stopped, you know, including us in the study, whatever the, 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 the outcome was. So, and he was also not a big fan anymore. Not even, there, there, it, it was harder to incentivize him. Uh, so it, things kind of happened at the same time. Uh, but yeah, like we, it, it's, it's, it's something that you think of, right? It's something sure. that, that is a, a concern. Uh And uh, no doubt he's at a higher risk because he has a father, a parent with uh, type 1.
2: You
0: know, I got to say a funny story of growing up with type 1. My mom was usually the person that took me to the endos. And I remember Children's Hospital and walking the lines and you'd follow one color to go to labs. And I I just knew, I mean, I knew anytime I was going in there, I was going to have blood drawn and I was
1: terrified,
0: terrified. Anywho, so after any visit. And this is probably why I have such a huge shoe addiction is that we would go shopping oh, there. for shoes or, you know, or something <laughs> that she, I'm sure as a parent just felt bad. And I was like, let's go to Crossroads mall or something, you know, just something just to take my yeah. mind off of the diabetes. And I, looking back on that, I, I think it's hilarious, but you got to do what you got to do to get your kid and yeah. <laughs> yeah. stay engaged.
1: He, uh, he has he has always been a trooper, and he's he's amazing. I'm, uh, we're super proud of him.
0: Well, I'm glad, and I let me say, I've secretly stalked your wife too. I love artists, love everything about it, and some of the series, one of the series that she's done. And if she'll allow me to, I'd love to put the painting she has of you in. Uh, in your oh head. yes,
1: <laughs> the one where I'm looking like. <laughs> <laughs> That, that 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 was a actually uh, she did that in connection with two other pieces um, highlighting diabetes advocates. Nice one with Carrie Sparling yeah. and another one with Scott Johnson. Both really good friends and and people that over the years have gone well beyond uh, being fellow advocates to become good friends.
2: Oh, and, I love
0: it! Okay. it I, I'm going to say something about that here in a second, but. Please sweet talk your wife into letting me feature those because I uh, that it, it, that series means so much to me. I want to support. yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, I will check with her, but I'm sure she'll be more than happy. Like she was, uh, um, you know, early on, a lot a lot of elements in her work uh, had so many uh, intimate ties back to diabetes and diabetes advocacy. In fact um uh here in front of a piece she made titled If Only this ended up being also the cover for a diabetes poetry book that we published way back it's basically like like it, it, the if only is from if only test strips grew like grass right <laughs> and uh it has it's a mixed media piece with like test strips as almost like -like, dandelion-like, you know, flowers. Uh, I'm going to need you
0: to send me private, not on this right now because I don't want you to have to shift all your stuff around, but I need a picture of this. That's unacceptable. you dangle the carrot like that?
1: I will will definitely send it to you. Yeah.
0: Okay, I want to go into because I have had the privilege of getting to know Scott Johnson, and he was one of the first people that whenever I really got involved, and I didn't even know what an advocate honestly was, until I got a t-shirt that said I was a diabetes advocate. And I'm like, what? I'm going to wear this. Okay, great. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I was just sharing my story. I didn't know anybody cared, right? And so Scott was one of the first people, when I met him, uh, We were uh, there were a few of us flown in for a private thing. And um, open arms, open arms hug. I mean, yeah. the guy is as genuine and... Exciting things coming when you're listening to this episode, 99 coming before others. um, He was very instrumental in uh, keeping me going and was always a kind soul when I had a question about what conference should I go to or whatever, you know, he's just an an incredible resource and getting to know Carrie as well. And I really think that the three of you really paved the way for us as newbies seven years ago when Ryan and I were just really oblivious to what all, what we were about to embark on. I will say that if there was a moment I was at my parents' house and Brian called me and was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, my gosh, what? And he goes, somebody commented on one of our things. And I was just like, oh, what? Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know people read this. And I think it was you. And you asked if we knew about another organization that has a similar name and Diabetes Daily, I think is what it was. And we had no idea. I mean, our, it, when we came up with a name for Diabetes Daily Grind, it, we didn't want to just say the grind. I mean, anyway, so it was just like, are we in trouble? This guy knows his stuff, and it was just so. I think <laughs> you were the first person to comment, and Scott Johnson is the one that gave us a shout out after the first podcast because if you listen to the first episode again at the very end, if you listen, I burp out loud because we were drinking <coughs> really good Colorado beer, and I just had to burp. I thought they would edit it out. I mean, it was just my good friends. Well. Scott was like who are these people and the, the girl's burping out loud so it's <laughs> like this immediate family
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely i i i feel that that sense of connection of again not not feeling alone is yeah. is so important whether you're coming at this as a person with diabetes uh feeling like Nobody else knows what you're going through, and I mean, it it is not untrue. Yeah. Because everybody's diabetes will vary. Uh, It is not untrue that only you know how living with your diabetes is like. But, but there's a lot of things that others have lived through Mm -hmm. that that can become a source of inspiration and 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 hope. Uh, Because it's not easy, but but it's also not a death sentence either.
0: Yeah. You're you're preaching to me. I I hear you. That's what I say every day. I said it to my mom today about, um, you know, we're all going to die. I mean, we're all going to die. And I've never until really looking back and being diagnosed at such a young age, did I really see it as a death sentence? I mean, there are a lot of decisions I made as a younger person and as a young adult that were because of diabetes um do you feel like it has kept you granted you knew life before and you whatnot do you feel like it's kept you from anything or encouraged you to do more
1: i think it it, it's changed life right uh i don't know the degree to which it has kept me from anything i definitely have done things that i would have probably not explored or considered before um I think the fact that you're in such close touch with yourself, your yeah. physical self, and to uh, you know, as by extension, with your emotional self, it makes you more mindful of yeah. certain things, and that can operate in a number of ways. It can make you feel, uh, I mean, you're you're doing your pancreas job to a degree. Yeah. Uh, so when when things work out, you feel a sense of pride when things don't work out, which can be the case sometimes even in spite of doing everything yeah. by the book, you might feel disappointed, maybe even guilty. Yeah. And and so so it can it, it can't really kind of shake you or encourage you on and off throughout the day, throughout life. Which is in no small part why I am so encouraged by developments, technology developments in the course of the past several years that bring things several steps closer I wouldn't say I wouldn't say help us live a normal life because that that would be uh, uh like a an inaccurate statement by I mean, by a long should. shot
2: yeah yeah but
1: but um make life with diabetes like more manageable you know and and uh and more bearable and more I mean in fact just now for example so I, I've been on a tandem pump the the x2 for a few years and one of the things that made me choose that pump was that again, a similar quality to what I alluded to with a Lavongo meter is a fact that I mean in their in their mm-hmm. case it's not over the air, but with a USB cable you can update the pump. Yeah. So I mean that's brilliant. I mean that's just like you're not stuck with a piece of technology just because uh it it yeah. you know it's what you got chipped. Yeah. Um so I uh, I was uh, that appealed to me. Then their first up, up uh, update to their software was the connection between them and the Dexcom uh, yeah. sensor. And I had been a Dexcom uh, user for uh, what? Let's see, twenty. Yeah, definitely more than ten years from now. So the the mm-hmm. next logical step, you know, beyond serving as a secondary display for your Dexcom data, but actually taking that data and doing something with it, the basal I Q algorithm was a game changer. And then more recently, the Control IQ algorithm was like, you know, day and night uh, for yeah. me. And, and, and the, re- the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, not, not too long ago, uh, I did not notice that I was on my last sensor, my last Dexcom sensor, and uh, my sensor session ended. Yeah, And I went to look for another sensor. It's like, great. So I'm out of sensors and uh, I have to place an order and they're on their way. So it's not the end of the world. But, uh, but obviously what I don't get is like in the meantime, I, I have an open loop. So again, for the time between the end of that sensor session and when I get my sensors in the mail, uh, I need to fill in the blanks, fill in the gap. We're just not good at that stuff, right? Like you have to
0: rely on your own.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Everything. I will say that this is not a negative to the CGM world, and I, I know there are a lot more coming down the pipeline, which I'm excited to try out. But the thought of me not—and I have, have like literally had panic attacks if something failed and I didn't have backup. I have never been on an insulin pump, so I cannot imagine that. Okay, there's two things to that. One. I'm, I'm going to say my addiction to a CGM and then I'm so reliant or dependent upon that safety net. Now I'll, I'll, I've always tested and I'm I'll test. And if I have to test, I will. But the fact that I don't know if there's an arrow going straight up or down, walking into a meeting or going for a job, then right. it has given me a lot of peace of mind. So mental health Absolutely. wise it has been awesome and it's been a, a kind of debilita- debilitating at times With that being said, because you've been on an insulin pump for so long, if shit hit the fan and you didn't have access to that right now, would you be able to dose?
1: I I, I would. In fact, I learned that lesson the hard way (laughs) because uh, it's rare. Pumps are extremely reliable pieces of hardware, but that doesn't mean they never fail, and I had... Early on, the first year that I was wearing a pump, I got an error on the screen. I will never forget it. It was like the A33 error. Um, And what the A33 error meant was when you are um, getting the pump ready to insert uh, your pump side uh, on, uh, you have to fill in the – this is for two Tubed pumps, yeah. right? So it doesn't apply for omnipod. But for tube pumps, you need to uh, prime the pump. So basically, yeah. it's uh, fill the whole tube with insulin till there's insulin drops coming out on the other end. And the key word being drops, right? So when you're priming the pump, eventually you see drops coming out the other end, not yeah. a squirt, right? So that's what I was getting. It was like, like, okay. <laughs> It's like money
2: going it. down the drain. I mean, that's yeah,
1: a, yeah. yeah. So, so um, it it was like uh, binary it was like zero one, and and so I call it in and I said like I'm getting this, uh, and he said like Yeah, your pump is is damaged. You cannot use it right now. Like okay, so uh, now what? They uh, will ship you one. You'll get it on Monday. It was Friday uh, noon, and uh, and they they asked the, the the question. So, do you have a backup plan? It's like what do you mean?
2: <laughs>
1: do you have pens or vials? I like, I don't like, uh, so, well, you get your flight over to your endos office yeah. because, uh, you're going to need it for the weekend. So fortunately I was able to, uh, get in time. Uh, and like I had been at, trained on how to give myself shots, when I was first diagnosed but I was like so reliant on the convenience yeah. of the pump that I had to get retrained kind of on the spot with a famous orange and whatnot and uh yeah so uh over the years I've just uh stuck I I have a a backup of uh pens of course uh you know long and short-acting uh, insulin pens and uh yeah I mean more often than not I end up just like uh, having to donate them uh, because I don't use them uh, because I will go off the file, but, but it's a, a backup in case uh, things go south with the pump or, yeah.
0: That's one of the things is I'm a planner. And so uh, it, and I've, there's been a couple of podcast guests that don't have a backup plan. I'm like, we got to work. I mean, and I don't want to be motherly to anybody because that's not my place, but the not having a backup plan is scary
1: it, for pumpers. It, I
0: mean,
1: yeah, I, I think it's it's scary for. Uh, I mean, if even if you're not pumping, like, uh, um, I mean, I live in California and now. I live in the Central Valley, which is a little more immune to earthquakes. But if you are closer to the fault lines, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, you have to be prepared, right? To evacuate, you have to have everything you need to leave on a moment's notice. And uh, even as a non-pumper, you would need to have, you know, a, you know, several days, potentially up to two, three weeks worth of insulin in case oh, yeah. you cannot go back home. Right. So uh, it's a, uh, it, it is a life and death thing. You, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. like, yeah. yeah,
0: there's, I will say coming from Oklahoma and I've only been in Texas now for about six months, Oklahoma is like tornado alley. And so if, if we, Things happen all the time, but I first bag that was packed and was sitting by the door. If I had to run to the basement, was all of my diabetes stuff. And then when I got to the yeah. CM, it was like a hell—an extra suitcase. <laughs> that by God, I could have lost. I had my laptop, uh, my phone, and all of my diabetes gear. Everything else could have yeah. gone, and I would have been
1: okay. I think a more uh, close to home experience for me this past year, obviously for for pandemic reasons ha- has not been as much the case, but I used to travel a lot, uh, yeah. both when I was with diabetes hands and at lavongo like, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 times a year. So, I mean, you would pack way more than you would need in the way of uh, pump supplies, mm-hmm. insulin, test strips, whatever, uh, because you just don't know. I mean, if yeah. you just pack exactly what you need, you might have an issue with a sensor when you're applying yeah. it, or you might have like an insulin vial might go bad yeah. or uh, a, a set you, you, uh, upon inserting an infusion set, it might get kinked or it, yeah. whatever. So you need to be able to prepare. So I, my rule of thumb was like, I will take three times as much as I yeah. know I will need. So uh, I could switch three times over uh, anything. Um, so, I mean, thankfully never, Got to that point, but yeah.
0: Okay, let me ask you: when you tra- when you were able to travel? God, I hope those days come soon because I've got a trip planned to Finland. I'm going to Scotland. I guess so I got a lot of people I want to visit. Do you opt out and get patted down, or do you take your stuff through?
1: So,
2: if
0: you can say I, that out loud, I know. That I
1: no, yeah, I'll I'll say it. Like, so I I don't know if they have updated this information uh, anytime soon, but. Um, I used to go through the uh, pat-down process yeah. uh, until I uh, almost lost two flights uh, <laughs> because they, I mean, they have to wait for yeah. the, the the right gender person yeah. to be available to pat you down and all that good stuff. So eventually I, I found out through uh, friends in the diabetes online community that uh, they had had a, you know, uneventful experience with, uh, going through the, the, the yeah. thing. And, uh, so I can't give that kind of advice. That's what I did. Right. So eventually, and I've had, I haven't had a, an issue with that, but, uh, at the time. And, uh, as far as I know, it, it still is not something that, uh, my pump, uh, company, would actively recommend so uh, sure. i was taking the risk uh by by doing so but haven't well, had i'm
0: overly problem. precautious and so i remember going up for the first time when i was like okay, and i like as first time i was like oh my gosh i've got to opt out i don't know what, i'm like nervous i get there and i start crying i'm like i feel like the odd kid out like i'm the black sheep whatever but i'm so thankful and i will say that at the last time one of the oh gosh no it's been about a year but as i was going through that process. My friend who I was traveling with for a diabetes convention, she was there to assist me. She went through the regular stuff and was saying to the woman, because she took my insulin and other things through, uh, the woman behind the thing just happened to say something about diabetes or whatever. and She said, well, my girlfriend has diabetes, and we just want you to know that they've updated And now most of the airports, especially international ones, have updated it so that your devices are safe to go through. Now that's probably not out as public knowledge, and I don't know that that's true. So don't take my advice. But it was nice that she cared to tell my friend that everything would have been okay if I would have gone
1: through. That's good to know. In fact, you just reminded me, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this. But whenever there is a diabetes conference, large enough diabetes conference like the ADA or whatnot, yeah. uh, where there's a large number of people with diabetes, you know, traveling yeah. to and from that city. Uh, the TSA folks immediately notice, like, because there's, there's like, I don't know, 10 in a row people with pumps. It's That's like, is there a conference in town? It's like, funny you ask, there actually is, <laughs> and we're here. <laughs>
0: They need to call in more TSA people uh, to yeah, sure yeah. get through to our flights quickly. Yep, well, I'll yep. end with this, Manny, and I, again, appreciate your time, but one of the reasons why I chose you as the 99th episode is you and, and Carrie and Scott were very instrumental in, uh, you set the bar, I guess, at some level of what I wanted to, who I wanted to be in the diabetes online community and how I wanted to use my voice to inspire others to live their best life. And, um, but also to be a person you could lean on or if you needed resources or a support team that we would be here. So from the beginning of when you started the hands foundation and and where you are today, now working with Tidepool, if you could give a few sentences or share a few sentences to where you feel like the diabetes community has come, you know where we're going and what inspires you to keep going as a part of this team.
1: Well, that's a very loaded question, but, uh, well, first off, it's, it's, um, it's inspiring to hear, uh, the stories of others, in this case yourself, and to hear that, uh, in some way or another, uh, the work that took place, you know, 10, 12 plus years ago has helped or inspired others, uh, to, to do so and to do more. I, I feel there, is definitely a tremendous growth in terms of the the size and reach of that diabetes online community. Uh, It used to be a very small place, Mm -hmm. one where people, and uh, Scott is one that can probably tell you about this, because Scott was uh, someone that would... Stop by every single blog out there, read every single blog post, comment on every single blog <laughs> post, and he knew everybody by name and eventually in person so it, it was like it was it was a small uh, community um, It was never a small number of people impacted though right. so there there's always been like this sort of uh, eight to ten plus percent of people with uh, in, in, in the in the country in the world uh, impacted by diabetes. There just was a a smaller number of of voices, uh, you know, coming out about it. Um, I think one of the things that has changed that has definitely been been the app uh, the advent of social, yeah. uh, you know, not not just communities like to diabetes or diabetes daily, but but also you know, Twitter and Facebook, yeah. and, um, uh at, at the same time uh one one thing that I have uh observed uh and this was true back when I was still with diabetes tense as it is today, perhaps even more so we are people with diabetes, but first and foremost we 're people, yeah, and it is not always pretty, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. uh it it can be heartbreaking how some uh potentially well-intended interventions or sharing right. uh, turns into uh, something that is not as construct constructive as it right. could be. And is not as supportive as it could be maybe informed by like not, wa- not wanting to be uh, grouped with that group out there that does things a different way, whether it is, uh, you know, uh, the you know, being open to or close to, uh, pharma contributions, uh, to diabetes nonprofits, or whether it is like having type one or type two or right. you name it. Uh, so I, 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 I mean that, that part of the evolution, I think it's to be expected because again, we're people first. So there's going to be a variety of points of view, um, I would always want to go back to the fundamentals and think about the the ways in which we have something that binds us that you know brings us together and try to focus on those things and the energy that can come from from that kind of joint vision and effort uh and and try to try to you know do what you can in your own vertical and you know your own niche if you may. But uh, but always keeping in mind that none of us are in this journey by choice. It yeah. sucks for everybody. It does, It's there's no point in in trying to to call my diabetes or your diabetes the worst or the hardest. Like it yeah. is, it is hard for every single person, and nobody wants it. So, trying to be kind and and understanding, and trying to uh, you know put ourselves in other people's shoes uh, first and foremost. Uh, the the enemy is not within. The enemy is lack of awareness. The enemy is lack of di- accurate diagnosis. There's some really beautiful news about now access to being able to, uh, for, for people to, to to test themselves. So it's like yes. we're, we've made progress. We've come a long way and we still have a lot to do. And I think uh, we only have ourselves to get uh, in the way of, of that effort. My hope is that mm. in 2021, we can put some of our differences Decide and focus on what we can accomplish together.
0: I think it's very well said, and I said I want to say three times today in different meetings um, I love the fact that uh, I have transitioned from being angry with uh, diabetes being classified as you know, I didn't want to be with the type twos, that's not fair, that's where there were different people. But if we all are compassionate and work together and um, let go of that. I'm right and you're wrong mentality. And as a people with diabetes, we work together and we're going to see a lot more change because the industries, I would like to believe at the end of the day, want to make sure that we live our best long lives and our voices are what fuel their companies. So uh, I will say barking gets you nowhere. And if we run as a pack and we have something, you know, can nip at people every once in a while when necessary, that's different. And so I, again, I appreciate your energy as a early-on advocate, especially as someone newly diagnosed, and you've definitely helped the rest of us find our voices. Um, there's no doubt. So uh, I want to end with one last serious question. Prepare yourself. <laughs> there's guitar in the background.
1: Oh, boy. Yes, there is.
0: What are you – I see sheet music, but are you –
1: you no, know, so actually, I just literally, I'm not kidding, uh, I just got that, uh, music stand because, uh, I would, uh, I would be just juggling with like paper and that. So it's, it's, it's just there to make life easier. I, I can't read, uh, music, uh, sheet okay. music. That's a guitar powered chord chart, which anyone who can play guitar will tell you that's like basic. And that's where I am. I used to play the keyboard. I love music. I'm listening to music constantly. And a secret uh, wish of mine had been for years to, you know, I should learn the guitar. And I decided uh, just under two years ago to pick it up. Um, I took some time off of it uh, during the early part of the pandemic. (laughs) But
2: You bought the guitar and you're like,
0: "Ah, I'm going to sit there and look pretty.
1: No, yeah, it does. It, it's it's a gorgeous instrument. Uh, but I uh, I resumed guitar lessons uh, about a couple months ago, and I'm uh, yeah I, I love it. It's it's a great uh, you know mental floss mm-hmm. exercise, and uh, it uh it, it's I, I just delight you know find tremendous delight in it really.
0: Okay, well, let me say that the diabetes uh, real life diabetes happy hour that happens every Thursday, we have my dear friend Wes McMichael who plays for us, and he's uh, just in the background. He does not have diabetes. He's just wow. one of my friends. He was my board president at one point. And he's just a great person. So when I asked him to do it, he he chimes in, and then it, he's learned so much about diabetes from all of us chiming in. There's like fifteen of us that meet regularly. And the newbies, and so it's just hilarious. And then now we have a couple of other people that come in, and every once in a while we have a guest performance. My friend Liz, nice. she was like, I've, I've learned one tune. So I'm going to, A, encourage you to be, do a guest performance at some point.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be honored. I would keep my expectations really low, <laughs> your expectations really low, but I'd, I'd be honored. Uh, yeah, and I was actually going to ask, that sounds like a fun uh, get-together, so I'd love to participate when possible.
2: Yeah, I'll
0: let you know. I'll be sure that you're invited. Anybody's invited to that. It's, it's something that's, it reminds me, I mean, I miss happy hour I miss brunch and it's more of the social. It has nothing to do with alcohol, even though we do talk about alcohol. But it, again, it's being surrounded by people who get it. And I'm so thankful to have people from around the world. And it's, I learned so much about healthcare in other countries and we all, yeah. and we have trivia and other fun things like that. And if your current lessons are not, you're not learning much. I will gift you lessons by Wes McMichael because he has a music studio, and that's what he does for a living is teach students.
1: Oh my goodness! Like, well, I I'm very happy with my current teacher. In fact, there, there's a whole story related to that, but we'll save it for another time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, yeah, I'm I'm all about trying to improve my playing, and with no other goal than being able to just. Do kind of what you describe, you know, be able to be with friends, with family and just just play, have fun, you know, like no, no, uh, hopes for, you know, uh, professional playing or anything like that. None of that.
0: (laughs) That's not going to be your next career path is your own album. Nope.
1: Nope. Nope.
0: (laughs) Mamie, thank you so much for taking time and you are a great way when this podcast comes out, i will be ending 2020. And what a shit storm it has been, but I'm hoping that this episode will hope, hopefully inspire people as we roll into 2021. There's a lot more of life to enjoy, yes. even in the hard times.
1: Ah, uh, absolutely. I am all for like a very boring and uneventful 2021. We want, we want to see boring news, like nothing major happening. That's, that's what we're hoping for.
0: I like that. I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm going to stay optimistic that that is the case. <laughs> With the exception of big news in the diabetes world that we're seeing a lot more advancements in technology and insulin pump therapy and insulin therapy. We that's both know, as people that are in it 24 hours a day, watching what's going on. There's a lot that's going to be coming about. So, yeah. hope for the future. Yes. Manny was the perfect. Gets to wrap up 2020 as he inspires me to continue my life as a diabetes advocate. I mean, a man whose wife created a piece of art titled, if only test strips grew like grass, let me know he and his family get it. Thank you, Manny for paving the way for fellow advocates and for playing kindly in the diabetes sandbox. Before I wrap up, I have a few quick reminders. Number one, this episode was brought to you by my diabetes diet. A personalized management and weight loss plan created specifically for people struggling with diabetes related issues. Like me, they believe every person deserves to live their best life possible with this disease. Be sure to check out the show notes to score a my Diabetes Diet app discount code. Number two, the real life diabetes virtual happy hour takes place every Thursday, even on the holidays, from five to six fifteen PM Central Standard Time. Be sure to register by clicking the happy hour logo in the show notes. Number three, we are always looking for partners, sponsors, etc., who share my mission to provide support and resources for all people living with diabetes and their loved ones. Penelope would love to chat. So hit her up at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, as we wrap up 2020 and roll into the new year, please remember you are not alone. This has been one hell of a year and my diet peeps made this shitstorm a more pleasant one. I'm so happy to have that connectivity. If you want to contact me directly, I can be reached anytime at Amber at DiabetesDailyGrind.com and connecting with you makes my heart happy and keeps the episodes coming. I look forward to 2021 and know this is going to be a better year for us all. That's a rap. Cheers! To the highs and lows, everyone.
1: A little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind,
2: it's a daily grind, it's a daily grind. And it-